Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. It was amazing years ago, and I want to say it was probably about, uh, now it's been about 12 years ago. Uh, so the number's probably doubled. When I give you the number, you'll find it astounding. But I remember I took some time to really think about, uh, the Lord just impressed it upon me about two weeks before Thanksgiving, about 10 years ago, to really stop and think about what, what has God done for our family? Uh, from clothes given to my wife and I uh, first getting married and traveling from Illinois over to Indiana, uh, headed back down to Greenville, South Carolina, and we no more get to the state line of Illinois, Indiana, and our, um, our engine blows. And so we were stranded for two or three days, and, and uh, the mechanic ended up doing all the work and everything completely for free. We didn't know that until we walked in, and he said, it's all done, it's all free. And so when I started adding up these different things, and the fact that somebody came, and many of you already know this story, but some, somebody decided that, hey, we want you to get on into the ministry. And I, we had, uh, I had personally probably about $20,000 worth of school debt at the time. I stepped out of school so that I could work off some of that debt because I was counseled to do so. And somebody came up to me and says, hey, we want you to get on into ministry. We're going to pay the debt, and we're going to pay for you to finish off your, your college education. And uh, just, uh, you name it, from, from just different things that we saw God do, I went adding all the different monies, trying to, okay, with the engine blow, that would probably be okay with what they did, probably about $1,200, $1,300. I started adding everything up. And at that junction, uh, 10 years ago, which would have been, at that point, we were, had been married for seven years, uh, I calculated a total of just a little over $100,000 that God had given to provide it in some way or another for our family. And I can just imagine right now that, uh, that that number probably has probably doubled uh, and so forth. And that's, that's not income I had to work for. That was God's grace. And if you stop and you think about what hath God done, you know, I was one of those guys that when I was in college, I'd hear somebody up in front of, in front of chapel and they'd say, they'd say, you know, do you have to, they praise chapel or something at college, and they would, they would say, I want to thank God because I opened up my mailbox the other day, and there was a check for $1,000. And I opened up my mailbox here, and there was a check for 5000 Every time I heard that, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> that don't happen to me. That don't happen to me. And you may be sitting here going, 100000 <laughs> That don't happen to me. I think if you go back and you look, you'll be amazed. I don't know if it'll be 100000 for you, but I have a feeling there's some in here who you could say it's a lot more than that. And if, but even if you can't put a dollar amount on it, it's still the graciousness of God sometimes in just simply giving you peace in a time of a storm. And that you need to be thankful for. And you know I say that, and for many of you who are guessing, you may not know, but I know that because my mom passed away when I was 12. And I had to learn to understand what the peace of God was and is. And, of course, my dad passed away a number of years, both of them from cancer, one from lymphoma cancer, one from leukemia. And, uh, and so uh, I want to bring to you this morning, what will you do with his sacrifice? Will it be, will it be thanks, or do you not even know? Oh, I guess I don't think about it too often. I'm busy in my daily life. Well, that's exactly what Satan and the world want to do is keep you so busy you don't stop to think, wait a minute, what do I really have to be thankful for? And it really begins with Christ. 
It really begins with Christ. Because as you get thankful for Christ and his sacrifice and what he did, then you'll start to look at your spouse differently and realize, okay, there's things, yeah, I'm frustrated with, with this or frustrated with my kids, but wait a minute. Now that I'm thankful for what Christ has done and Christ is humbling me, I can see now things I need to be thankful for. And so I want to challenge you this morning. You know, when I, when I was 13 years old sitting in history class, um, during the mid-morning hours of Bethany Christian Academy in Galesburg, Illinois, it was September 1989, and Pastor Carlson uh, came to the door of the classroom and called for me. Okay? I, it was, it was, it was, I was notified that the time had, been, had finally come that we had been waiting for. And I would love to sit here and say, oh, it was Publisher's Clearinghouse at our doorstep. No. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. But instead, my mother had come to that point in time when the battle was being lost, and she was getting ready to soon pass into eternity. You know, I rushed with my, I went down, and, and, uh, and there was a family member there saying, your dad's at the hospital, we need to get you to the hospital, and they rushed me and my sister to the hospital and, uh, at, uh, at 12 years of age. And I remember sitting there next to my mom and uh, holding her hand, holding her hand, and then at about 3 o'clock, just, just a little before 3 o'clock, um, I was watching Yogi Bear the cartoon. And I'll never forget, all of a sudden, her hand went like this on my, on, my, on my hand. The death grip. I'd never heard of such a thing until that time, and I've experienced it. And her hand just went tight. And I looked, and I saw something that a 12-year-old takes with them for several months and just struggles with. But you know what? That death grip was a shock to me, and it took my dad coming over, prying the hands off, my, off me. I was, the next thing I remember from seeing her with that mask on her mouth, from seeing her was the next thing I see, I remember as being in some room next door. And here is uh, our pastor. And he's, he's, he's looking at all of us, and we're shocked, and we're, we're filled with questions. And I've rehearsed that so many times, and he says, you all are going to be okay because you have Christ. And that was, that was great. I'm not saying anything wrong with what was said. That was great. But as a 12-year-old boy, I'm wondering, why do I hurt? Didn't understand everything. If you've been there before, I know I've got Christ. But what does that mean in relationship to this very moment? And there is relationship to it, and it does mean something. But sometimes we can find ourselves going, but I don't understand. I'm, I'm young in the faith, as I was at 12 years of age. I'd been saved for five years at that point in time. What, is, what does that mean? Well, I want to take you to the book of Hebrews. If you turn over there to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. And the author of Hebrews is trying to convince the Hebrew Christians, using language they can understand, of the superiority of Christ over all people and all things. As Hebrews, they were always tempted, and of course we all are tempted to do this, but as Hebrews, just like any other human being, they were always tempted to revert back to those people, those rituals, those traditions, those things that they highly regarded. Always tempted to go back there. When going got tough, they were tempted to revert back to what they knew. Okay, So the author was seeking to show them the weakness of those things in comparison to Christ. Why was he doing that? Well, they're dealing with some trials and persecution right there. They're going through some very rough times, okay? Their their emotions were clouding their spiritual judgment, and they were starting to lose sight of Christ and what that really should mean in the midst of what they're in. And I've been reminded over the years of of one great saying here, "Don't, don't question in the darkness what God clearly showed in the light. 
And I've been there many times where things are tough, things are dark, and you begin to question things that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's go back. What did God show us at such and such a time as, as this? And so let's not lose sight of the truth when we're in the midst of darkness. But that's where these people were at. The author was very concerned, very concerned, because even though the persecution had been great, they still had not, they still had not experienced the great form of persecution and being a martyr. It says, you don't need to turn there, but it says in chapter 12, verse 4 of Hebrews, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. We can think, especially in the United States of America, where so many things are just given. It amazes me. Black Friday hits, and millions upon millions upon millions of people and dollars are spent. And we look around. And we sit here and think, yeah, but that's not everybody. No, it's not everybody. But I will tell you, I don't care who you are and what your income is. It's not all about income, whether you can have joy and peace. Doing that with my family right there, that is awesome. And if you think that was awesome, spending the time we spent at home preparing for that, the laughter, the joy around the piano, and we wish we could have recorded some of the sessions because it was just fun. And, I, and I'm reminded when I'm standing there at home practicing with it, I'm going, that's what matters. I don't have a lot of the latest things. But I got what God considers important. My salvation and my family. And sure, we have our struggles. I can be a knucklehead. I know that surprises many of you, Okay. My children, if you went up and asked them, please don't, because it will not go well for my testimony. But nevertheless, if you go up and ask my children, they're going to tell you, oh, Dad, he's got this problem and this problem, and I am very much aware, and some of those I've shared here from the pulpit of struggles that I, that I have. Yes, we have a home of knuckleheads. We have a home of struggles. But in the midst of it all, there can be love, knowing, you know what? We're all aiming for the same thing. That is to make Christ center. To make Christ center. That's what brings unity. Christ brings unity. So when you get looking at, okay, uh, Paul, this, this author here, I was about to say Paul. Many believe it was Paul, and for good reason. But you look at the author here, he's saying, you know what? I know you've had tough, and I want to help you with that tough time you've had, but I want you to stop and consider you've not yet had to place your life on the line yet. So as, as tough as things may be, there can be worse, and for the United States of America, there can be a lot worse, and we have not yet begun to, right here as it says, strive or resist unto blood. But well, we know of other people in other countries, Christians, who are trying to bear the torch for Christ, who are dealing with just that. So when we have that challenge there, it is very much applicable to the, the Hebrews back then, it's very much applicable to us. What is he still trying to do? He's still trying to reorient them. Saying, okay, you're, you've not had to strive against death, but... Remember, the lighthouse in Jesus Christ. Let's get back to the fact that what are you dealing with right now? And I want to encourage you to stay close. Stay close to, so you'll have no regrets. That's a big one. I think all of us in here could say, I have some things in my life that I very much regret. I do. But I don't live in regret because I know Christ has forgiven me. And I choose to not think those, about those things anymore. Have I always been like that? No, they terrorized me for many, many years. 
But then Christ came along and helped me see that that needs to go away. And he says, I don't want you to have regrets. I want you to experience what Christ can do. And I want you to get to understand what Christ came to do, what he is here for. And I know you may be here before me right now and you say, well, I know what Christ came to do. He came to save me and I'm saved and I'm good now. Uh, no, we're still, once again, as the Hebrews, dealing with trials and persecutions and challenges and what are we going to do with them? You know, we've been told in 2 Timothy, 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. We know that. Yet, James also tells us that the trying of your faith worketh patience. I don't know about you, but we, we know this. We hear these two truths. But the first one, live godly in Christ Jesus, don't suffer persecution, we forget about that. And when it comes, we're like, what's going on here? Why am I dealing with this? And then we have to remind, oh, that's right. James says the trying of your faith worketh patience. I don't want any more patience. You need patience. Your kids are praying that you'll get patience. Your spouse is praying that you'll get patience. Your, your, your people you work with are praying that you'll get patience. Your church family is praying that you'll get patience. And a lot of times we think, well, you know what, I just don't want to pray for that because that means you're bringing trials. You can either pray for it, it's going to come no matter what. You can either go through with a submissive heart or go, I'm just going to fight it every time. I'm not going to pray for patience. It's coming, get ready. God knows what's best for us, as, just as the author was trying to tell them here. So we get looking at Hebrews, we get looking at what we have in Christ. We like the benefits of Christ. I have Christ, I now have eternity in heaven. It's nice to know that I don't have to worry about if I die, I'm going to heaven. All is well. We like benefits. That's why when you were at the store the other day, you liked the discount, especially when, hey, you can get 10% more off on this order if you'll simply get a charge card today. And you went, let's go. Because you saw the benefit. You said, let's do this. We like various, you know what? I got married because I was really looking forward to this. How's that going? Not so much anymore. Because marriage, we know, it's all rose petals and uh, everything else, and all of a sudden you meet a thorn. What's his name again? Anyway, nevertheless, it gets challenging. It gets challenging. We like the benefits of things, but then all of a sudden there's challenges that go along with it, and there's responsibility in there. There is a responsibility if you know Christ as your personal Savior. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There is an expectation as Christ says, I want to not just save you from your sin. I want to help you to sin less. I have cut the power. Now you've got to battle through this. I want you to experience the responsibility that comes with being my child. Just as you would expect from your own children. Wait a minute. You're a Lundquist. Stop that. You ever said that? Don't raise your hand. But the truth is, there is a certain sense as a parent when you're, what are they doing? That's not how we act. What are you doing? That's not what we're supposed to do. So why did you get saved? Well, because I, I know I needed Christ. Well, there's more to it, though. Yet, if you have trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection, and, and you've, uh, you've trusted in those things, God saved you from your sin, he might go forth, and now you need to glorify and worship him. And so what we have here in Hebrews, I have you there in chapter 10. For 10 chapters, God seeks to convince them why they should want to worship his son. Why should you want to go to church even? Church is oftentimes even taken the day as, well, we have this going on. Well, we have that going on. Wow. Wow, do you... The author here is saying, consider Christ and what he's done. Why would you not want to go to church? Why would you not want to go with his people? 
Why would you not want to get around them? Uh, look at chapter 10. Look at verse number 1 here with me, please. For the law, having shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscious have no more conscious of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Right here, there was ultimately no permanent removal of the guilt of sin. Sins you did throughout the year. You came, and there was a remembrance of those sins. It's like, oh, man, I'm so thankful that the sins I did yesterday, I don't have to continue to remember them. I asked the Lord to forgive me last night. I asked the Lord to forgive me. I confess my sin first thing in the morning for, and throughout the day. When I sin, it's like, wait a minute. Right after I do something, I've offended one of my family members or one of you. I want to go, okay, Lord, forgive me. I had to do that yesterday. I, I know I offended my father-in-law. And, and I stepped out the doors and went to put stuff in the van. And, I, and, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, man, my mouth got me in trouble again. And I was frustrated with myself, mad at myself. And I looked at my wife and I said, oh, what do I she goes, I think, don't worry about it. No, no, I know what the Holy Spirit's telling me I got to do. So I went inside. I'm sorry. No, I didn't do that. No, I went and I says, it doesn't matter whether you think I've offended you or not. I know what the Holy Spirit showed me when I got to the van. And my mouth moved again and it got me in trouble. And after he gave me a slight little smirk, he said, it's really, it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal because I did wrong and I was disrespectful and I apologize for that. You know what? God, I confess it to God outside. I went inside and confessed it to him. God says there doesn't have to be a continual remembering of the guilt of things. And that's why he sent Christ. The system you had, Hebrews, at one time, you don't have to continue. Well, I got to do this. I got to do this to make God happy. No, you don't. If you're one of his children, you already have more faith. You, you have the utmost favor with him. You can't get any more of it. And I'm thankful for that. You look down there, and we're going to skip down a little bit. Uh, actually, let's continue reading. Verse number five. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lord, I come. In the volume of this book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Ab- above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and, and, and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. So, so you know what? God really, he, you did these things, but what really gave God pleasure was seeing his son do what he did. That's what really gave God pleasure because those things were just tabling what ultimately needed to happen, what really needed to happen, you know, sacrifice once and for all. And continue reading there. Uh, it says in verse number 10, by that which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. God did ultimately take pleasure in what the buildup was from the sacrificial system of the Old Testament and now to now with Christ submitting his body to be used once and for all. So you can imagine, he is very pleased. I know that I'm very, when I see my children do something very special for the Lord, it's very much an encouragement to my heart. Can you imagine God going, that's my son. I'm proud of him. He submitted to my will, went to the cross for people who I know really don't appreciate it and really don't understand it. But he did it because I told him to, and he loved all just as I love all. And he did it out of love. We look at verse number, verse number 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Isn't that what he deserves? 
If there's anybody who deserves to be at the right hand of God, it's Jesus Christ for what he's done and what he was willing to do willingly from his heart. Continue reading with me in verse 13. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He made you acceptable to God. That raunch you thought you had yesterday, yeah, you need to confess it. But God still looks down if you know Christ your Savior and says, acceptable. Not your sin, you. Acceptable to God. Look at verse number 15. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. He gave us his Holy Spirit and made our conscience sensitive to his law. That's something I pray for. My, I pray for myself and I pray for my children all the time. That, Lord, this individual is now saved. My child is now saved. He confesses that. She confesses that. Lord, make them now sensitive to sin. What a sweet thing when somebody's sensitive rather than going, I don't know if I did anything wrong. And God says, I want you to be sensitive to sin. I want you to realize when you sin, you have sinned against a holy, righteous God. And that's a big deal. And you'll see that here in just a few moments. Continue reading with me in verse number 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I've said it once, I've said it twice, and I can't keep saying it enough. Aren't you thankful that we can confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and doesn't choose to bring them to your account anymore? I choose not to bring them up anymore. We're going to move on. I want you to look here at verse number 19. I've got some four points I want you to have here before we leave. Uh, Really quick points. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Right here, I want you to see this, okay? So when we consider all these things of what Christ has done, what Christ has done on our behalf, what he's willing to do for you, Wicked you and me. He says, knowing these things, draw near. You know, when I apply scriptural principle and deal with my three children the way the Bible tells me to, and I'm not perfect by by any means at that, but when I do what the scriptures say to do and and, and deal with things in in a biblical way, I've always found that when the world says, no, you don't do that, that's right, When you deal with things biblically with your children when they disobey, I have always found all my kids will curl into me and hug me and they want to be near me and I want to be near them because I love them to death. I don't like having to go through the disciplines the scriptures teach, but I trust what God's going to work through what he said to do. But I love when they come to me. They're not pushing away. They want to be close to me. They want to be near because they love their dad and I love them and they know that what is taking place is out of love. Out of love for them. And right here, God says, when you consider what God has done in sending Christ, when you consider what he continues to do for you in spite of yourself, why would you not want to draw near? And draw near knowing that it's somebody there, somebody that loves you, knowing before he ever, before, before you ever received him, the scriptures say, you were with sin, and yet he still died for you. You were an enemy of God, and he still died for you. 
What does it mean to draw near? It means to draw near in what manner? A sincerity of heart with total confidence in that God wants what is best for me. My mom passing away when I was 12 years old was God's will and it was what was best for me. Now, if you say, you didn't think that time, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. And I went through some battles and struggles. But it took about nine years later, a battle and struggle and learning and growing that I began through spiritual growing in, growing in the spirit. I began to help another young lady. Her parents had passed away just six months before she came to camp. And I ended up counseling with her. And I realized that God was using me and God knew what was best. And God, God knows what's best. Sure, I have my times. I've got three kids, and he was one and a half when my dad passed away. So my parents never seen any of my kids, and I know my mom would have loved my little girl. Would have loved you too, bud, but she would have loved my little girl. My mom was all about little girls, as most women are. And just, I know my mom would have thoroughly enjoyed all my, grandkids, all, 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 all my kids. But you know what? I have to stop myself. Wait a minute. I'm going to trust God, being confident that he knows what is best even if it hurts. In what manner? A conscious at peace with God because you have professed and confessed your sin. My children want to be around me when they're doing right. When everything's clean and clear. But when the house gets quiet, something's going on. Yeah, right, Chad? Yeah, something's going on. We better search this one out. You don't want to draw near to someone that you, uh, oh, I'm not, I'm not on good terms with this individual. God says when, you are, when you're doing right, when you've confessed it and you're free from that guilt and that sin, you'll want to draw near. When you've died to self and you've surrendered to live for Christ. Number two, we see there, we see there in that same verse there, it says, uh, let me get back to it here, let's draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. What a great thing to have assurance. And a full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast. When you've got drawn near and you're confident, you know you're in somebody's arms that loves you, protects you, and it means the world to you, and they know that they only have what's best for you, and that's God for each of us. It should prompt you, as it says there in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Number two, be faithful. Why wouldn't you want to be faithful? Sure, you're going to have a battle and you're going to have these tendencies. Everything's pulling from you. But be faithful. Don't let the persecution or trial that you are encountering get you off track. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That should be something we think about constantly because it really, really comes down to where the rubber meets the road in our daily living. Wait a minute, trust in the Lord. Lean not into my own understanding. God is God, and that's what makes him God, is all the attributes and the fact that he sees the whole picture, and we do not. He knew what his plan was when my mom passed away. I didn't understand it. So the key is to hold his hand, draw near, and hang tight. Hard to do when you're 12. Hard thing to do when you're 42. No matter what age, it's a very difficult thing to do, but God takes you on a journey. We come up with a, a lot of great arguments 
of why we maybe don't do our devotions anymore and we're not, the reason we're not drawing near and the reason we're not being faithful. We don't understand, you know, I, I've gone door to door and I hear a lot of things. I don't go to church anymore because of fill in the blank. A trial or something happened that got somebody off track. What's sad about that is that means there's something indoctrinating you. Indoctrinating means teaching. And yes, people say to me all the time, I know what you've got me in your office where you're going to try to indoctrinate me. And I look at them and I go, yes, we are. You, uh, really? Yes, we're here to indoctrinate you. We have every intention. Just the same as the world does. They want you to watch their shows, listen to their music, to move you in a direction. To go buy their product, to go live their lifestyle, to get into their frame. No, I'm my own man. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're never your own man. You're always being influenced. You're always being influenced. I used to think that too when, I, when my mom passed away and got out of high school and I went away from the Lord. And many of you know that story. I won't go into that. But I thought, I'm my own man. No, I wasn't. I was being influenced. But God says, I want to be the one to influence you. And God has been faithful to you and desires the best for you. Number three, I want you to see this verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Resist the eye focus. The fleshly tendency during times of trials and persecution is to focus on self instead of encouraging others. I've used the same phrase. You've used it. Can I tell you how I feel? You can tell me, but the problem is, where do your feelings come from? I want you to know your feelings come from your heart. So I don't care what Hallmark says. Quit following it. Okay? Because the Bible says your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will take you places and go, how did I get here? Your heart. There is, your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It will take you places. You're like, how did I get here? I have heard that so many times. I said it myself years ago. How did I get here? And then when I see, I'm like, man, what a fool I was. Man, what a fool I've been. When you don't follow Christ, when you don't trust and obey, you're playing the part of a fool. You're playing the part of a fool. And we have such a world today that says, hey, you know what? Hey, what about you? All the cliches from every restaurant, you name it, whatever the case may be, okay? That's why we have selfies. I'm not saying anything wrong with selfies, but we didn't call it Yumi's, okay? That was supposed to be funny. Come on, I made that one up myself. Thank you. All right. Tough crowd. Okay. You know what? We've got to focus on serving others. We've got to be able to help other people. And what we've, what we've come to now in this time and age, and God said it would happen, is just a turning on self, an eye focus. And we can get in the midst of a trial, and that's when it's hard. We're in the midst of a trial, and we very much do get focused on what we're feeling. And we've got to, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are the facts? What are re- what's really going on here? Number four, I want you to look here at this. It says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Number four, go to church. Go to church. God says, hey, when there's public worship going on, go there. Why wouldn't you want to go there? Well, I've got the game going on, or I'm a part of this group over here and everything like that. Okay, that's great. I'm glad you're part of it. But which one died for you? Uh, which one will be there for you to get you through a really bad trial? Well, you don't know what they've been. Oh, you just wait. 
Satan will let you go through certain trials that maybe that group or that sporting event or whatever will, will help you with for a time. But there is going to come a time when Satan will fully unleash the trap. And it will be a trial bigger than anything else you have in life can help you deal with. No drug, no nothing, no anything you want to turn to. No group you're a part of, no club, no nothing. It will not solve it. And you will be brought to a place of realizing, I set myself up for this trap. It boggles my mind how people sit there and go, well, church is, uh, it's a non-negotiable for me. And you say, well, you're an assistant pastor. It's been a non-negotiable for me for, even before I was an assistant pastor. I want it to be a non-negotiable for my children, realizing, you know what? We don't come here just, all right, I'll come to church because I'm trying to gain. No, we don't gain favor with God. If you're saved, you already have his favor. You come here, as it says right here, Don't forsake, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. I need you to exhort me. I'm thankful for the people in this this room. You are dear friends of mine who have come up and said, can I talk to you about something? And I've had many of you do that. And I appreciate when you come to me with a spirit of, 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 of humility, and you go, can I help you with something that I saw? Thank you. Now, you may say, but not everybody does that. Oh, I know. I know that. I have people come up to me sometimes, and the way they share it is like, Wow, you have the person I have a Brillo pad. Okay? I get it. They rub you, they rub everybody the wrong way. I understand that. But I sit there and go, okay, Lord, in the midst of this, please help me. Right now, I want to put them in their place, but maybe there's an element of truth in this. Show me, Lord. You say, well, I'm not as spiritual as you. I haven't always been that spiritual either. It's only been the last minute that I've told the story, okay? Uh, it's, it's, it's a battle. I get it. You have to stop and you have, okay, God, please help me to respond rightly. Help me to respond rightly to the situation. But I need you to exhort. And that's exactly what he's saying. There are people who are going astray and they need to be exhorted. And that's why you need to be at church. Either you need to be exhorted or you need to exhort. If you come here and you're not receiving exhorting, maybe you should start sharing it. And exhorting is not just rebuking. Sometimes it's a need to rebuke and go, hey, I see this in your life. Can I help you with that? Or sometimes just simply going, Thank you so much for being a greeter. That was a huge blessing. Thank you for manning those doors, or womaning the door, as the case may be. Thank you for what you're doing and serving in the house of God. Thank you. We've got to do that, to provoke one another unto love and to good works. One thing I've seen in my lifetime, and I'll be coming to an end with this, is it's amazing to me how the various generations, you know, um, I'll have... Millennials that think that when they look Generation X as well, they'll look and they'll say uh, the baby boomers they just don't let us talk. They don't let us. They don't let us share what what we're struggling with. Well, because they don't think you want to listen. And what happens? Baby boomers say to me, uh, "There's no point in talking with millennials, Generation X. They think they got everything figured out." There's an element of truth in that. They do think they got everything figured out. Neither generation wants to look at the other because why? They think they got it all figured out. They don't, let me, they don't let me talk. I have found when you sit down, there's a lot to be gained from both sides. When you let both sides talk and share and, and hear, I have found when I go into counseling with people, if I do not let them talk, they will think, you just want to hear yourself, preacher. And I used to counsel like that. Okay, you're in here. Okay, what's the problem? Okay, let me tell you what the problem is with you. I just want to cut you the chase. Let me tell you what the problem is. Da, 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 da. 
do you like it when, I, I, found, I, was like, I was like, wait a minute, I don't like it when people do that with me. I like it when people hear me out. I like it when people listen to the struggles I'm having. They might be the same struggles somebody else has had, and it may be a repeat. It may be a repeat. But I do find in the local church, okay, so we have the various generations, age groups, but each of them, in humility, have got to go to them, each other, and have got to exhort one another into love and good works. And the local church is where it's at, where God has it, and said, hey, you know what? These generations all need to come together. And the aged women are helping the younger women. The younger women are willing to listen to the aged women. And the young, everybody has their place in the house of God. And as I have grown in the Lord, I realize how important it is. Our children that are back there in rooms have a place an exhausting place within the Word of God because they're the usually the ones that bring all the energy, okay? And they wear us thin. But then I'm also so thankful for the many in here, the aged will say, as the Bible says, who bring so much wisdom and everyone else in between and how we can exhort. I ask you, what, what I say are you doing with this sacrifice? What are you doing with Christ? What his sacrifice, what he's done for you? Are you drawing near to him? Are you being faithful to him? Are you resisting the eye focus and looking to serve others? Are you going to church? You may say, well, I'm here right now, aren't I? Go to church faithfully. Not just Sunday morning. Sunday night, Wednesday night, public assembly. Come together and exhort one another daily. And this is what adds up to worshiping the one who deserves worship, to give thanks to the one who deserves thanks. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.